the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Helping make it all possible is the generous partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I'll trust you enjoy. Thank you for registering your request to be evacuated from Afghanistan. Please make your way to Hamid Karzai International Airport at this time. Please be advised, the United States cannot guarantee your security as you make this trip. As far as I can see it, that is a direct abandonment of American citizens and possibly American federal workers working for the State Department, working in the embassy that is being evacuated and being uh, turned over to the Taliban. The President of the United States, the Commander-in-Chief, the man who's responsible for our national security, is directly abandoning American citizens, saying we can't provide you security from point A to point B in that airport to get you out of there. Good luck. You're on your own. I, I can only imagine how this strikes veterans. I can only imagine specifically how this strikes veterans who served in Operation Enduring Freedom, who served at some point in the 20-year war, uh, that is uh, that is officially coming to an end. I could argue that it kind of came to an end a long time ago, and we were merely a security force keeping the peace over the course of the last several years. But nonetheless, those who fought to defend American lives after 3,000 of them were taken on 9-11, 2001, now watching American lives being abandoned on almost direct command. You can't. We cannot guarantee your safety, so you're on your own. Joining us now with reaction is one of those fighters. Tom Amenta was a uh, U.S. Army Marine, or is a U.S. Army, uh, not Marine, excuse me, Ranger veteran. He served five years as a member of the 75th Ranger Regiment and served two combat tours in support of Operation Enduring Freedom. He's one of the uh, veterans featured in a new book called The 20-Year War, which is directly about what we are wa- uh, watching right now. So, uh, Tom, thank you so much for the time. I appreciate you, appreciate you coming on, sir. How are you? Bob, thank you so much for having me. But I do got to go back to that point really quick. Rangers sure. are definitely not Marines. We don't eat crayons. No. <laughs> no, no, that was just a misspeak. But I do have it in front no. of me. I know you were a Ranger, and uh, and no. I know Ra- there's there's some, there's some friendly competition, right, between Rangers and Marines absolutely. and Green berets no, and seals and so on, right? Yeah, I, I, any of my friends that might be in the in the Cleveland area are listening to this online. If they if they hear it, some of my <laughs> armories, I'm sure my texts are going to light up when I when I get off for that one. But thank you, thank you so much for having me, and thank you for being willing to talk about the book that I helped co-author, the Twenty Year War, which is uh, a story about 71 different uh, veterans. It's a intimate portrait of what they are now, a sketch of their service. Um, you know, and then what they're doing now uh, in this world, and we really appreciate that support. But also, I, you know, listening to your intro and talking about the abandonment, you're, I think you tragically, and I can't emphasize tragically enough, nailed it. Um, the, the, what the administration 
and their inability to seem to conceive of or plan for what could be the worst case scenario in Afghanistan is playing out in real time. And it is heart wrenching to watch. Yeah, uh, it, 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 it's more than that to me. It's it's enraging because, you know, the, yes. our commitment is supposed to be to the American citizens. And whether they're serving this mm-hmm. country in uniform or they're civilian serving, for example, in a, you know, in a in a diplomatic role or a support role or even a contracted mm-hmm. worker in some capacity in a foreign country, particularly a hot zone, it is up to us to protect them and up to us to rescue them. And they are essentially saying uh, the commander in chief literally is saying to the Taliban, we are asking you to be kind and allowing these people to get to the airport you're asking you're asking mass murderers you're asking an organization that literally funded and trained and provided material support for the 9-11 hijackers mm-hmm. of al-qaeda to be kind and let americans through and and afghanis who were uh sympathetic to the american cause and were assisting us we're asking them to be kind and let them through so that we can get them out of there well, uh, it, of, it, it just projects it, weakness does it not tom so the thing about it that, one, you have to think there's a level of, of um, bargaining from a weakened position here. But the thing that concerns me even more, that one of the, com- the conversations I've had with many of my friends that were you know, in, in uniform or have worked in intelligence agencies or things like that, is the Taliban is not of now is not the Taliban from 2001. When you look at the pictures and you look at their fighters, they all have trigger discipline. And what I mean by that is that in addition to being in the ranked regiment, I was also an infantry and combat tactics instructor in the National Guard. Their, their index finger is outside of the trigger well. It's right over the top of it, ready to engage, but actively safe, being safe. Their weapon barrels are pointed down or pointing away from their fellow comrades. They've trained. They've learned. You're looking at what they're doing for PR and things like that. And the redirect that their propaganda minister had yesterday talking about Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook as someone who works in PR and marketing and is an author. That was genius. Um, it's that they're learning. It's that they're getting better. And I honestly, on some levels, one of the scariest thoughts here in terms of them trying to uh, get into a place like the UN as time goes on or trying to say that they are in a viable government organization is their kindness quote unquote, of getting Americans out safely and picking up the slack that the Biden administration seems to be incapable of doing because they did not have a plan to expel Americans has a second, third and fourth order consequence that is that should really worry people if you understand how international politics play out. And my degree is in political science, too. So I'm not just like spouting off at the, at the mouth. I did the soldier thing. Then I did the scholar thing in international relationships. And what's scary to me is we've not only completely bungled this from a tactical standpoint on the ground it is so mismanaged right now it is we have so many problems this was not planned out correctly but we are also giving opportunity and we are also giving air to a second third and fourth order effect that can give the taliban even more viability in certain sections around the world in their eyes and that's it's, that's it's, it's a lose-lose-lose all around. Yeah, that's a staggering thing to consider. Uh, you know, you're talking on a micro level right now as we talk about bungling this particular operation and the uh, mm-hmm. the withdrawal of troops. I want to go bigger picture now and talk about whether okay. or not the troops should be withdrawn, or at least if we should not leave a base 
um, and mm-hmm. and, a, and a security force there. Um, right. I, I read some really interesting comments yesterday from Mark Thiessen, who said, look, we, we battled in Germany, and we stayed in Germany and have been there for over 60 years. We battled in Korea, right. and we put a base there. And the reason why I need in Japan, and he said, there is no country that is going to be able to fight off a stronger power without the presence of, of it, just the presence of a U.S. military force there, guiding them, training them, helping them, etc. It's what keeps the enemy at bay. Well, in this case, mm-hmm. the enemy is the Taliban. Um, yes. They probably would not make a run at the 300,000 or so Afghan security force with American troops there alongside. Right. Um, so this is a big picture. You were there. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying I want to commit any more blood or treasure to this either. Right. But is the is the potential for the Taliban re, re, returning to power and carrying on with their previous goals of, of you know, destruction mm-hmm. of infidels and jihad against the West, uh, is, there, is, is, is it potentially worse for us to get out, let that happen, and then have to send in 10, 20,000 more troops to take the land back over again? Yes. Now, let me let me pull this string and pull this out even more. And one of the narratives that I've been I've heard from the Biden administration and from um, other people that I want to quash immediately is the concept that the Afghan National Army or the Afghan National Police don't want to fight or are not willing to. According to the Brookings Institute, okay, America's premier think tank. This isn't some quack conspiracy theory. These are vetted data scientists. The estimation of Afghan National Army and Afghan National Police killed in action, not casualties, killed in action from 2014 to 2020 is 45,000. Wow. Okay? So all of this nonsense about them not being willing to fight, let's just dispel. They have fought and they have bled at a 2,000% increase over Americans. So to say they haven't pulled their weight is garbage. Why do you think he said that? Why do you think he wants that narrative to be there, that false narrative? Well, because, well, I, you know what, I, I don't know. Um, I, I mean, other than to support his withdrawal, but the next layer, the next brick to this, Bob, and the thing that really gets me is we, he name-checked three specific fears of operation and counterterrorism, counterterrorism practice. Iraq, we have 2,000 troops right there. He was in the Oval Office with the president of Iraq a month ago, shaking hands, saying that we were going to leave by the end of the year, quote, except for advisors and intelligence assets. Okay? Second place, he said, Syria. We have approximately 900 troops right there, again, of the advisor intel collecting, you know, group there. Three, Al-Shabaab and one of Africa. Now, the numbers on how many troops we have in Africa right now gets a little fuzzy because that's a really big continent, right? But we are slowly starting to establish, I've heard from multiple people, both currently in the military and in intelligence um, organizations around the world, establishing something akin to Camp Lemonier, a booty that the Trump administration pulled back. So we have four major theaters of operation, right? Three of them have a light touch, specific mandate troop presence that also has the support of, of drones, bombers, all the overhead air cover that you could need, the support assets that are in place for that. And right. one of them were leaving to a humanitarian crisis and disaster, watching Afghanis or Afghans, I'm sorry, so desperate to leave that they're falling off of C-17s. We have Americans all over this country that can't get back to Kabul, or we do not have the resources because he pulled them all out to go get them, which logistics in Afghanistan is an incredibly complicated thing that I can talk to you for an hour about. 
because it's not easy, and especially with the altitude and everything like that. Like, this is something that needed to be planned and needed to be considered, and it clearly wasn't. So, to me, I, I couldn't listen to that speech, and when he concluded that the buck stops with me or I will not destine a, a fifth president to, to deal with this, no, you have, President Biden. You have. You, we will go back. So my friends' children are going to put night vision down in front of their face, and they're going to have to go fight whatever comes after ISIS in the chain from Wahhabist Islam, Mujahideen in the 80s to Al Qaeda to ISIS to whoever's next coming out of the Taliban, coming out of Taliban-controlled Afghanistan. We're going to go back and we're going to fight them. And that's the tragedy of all of this, is because in addition to all the awful, horrific things that are going on right now, in addition to this absolute inconsistent lack of coherent policy in the addition of an administration that so far refuses to actually admit that they've made a mistake and trying to correct that mistake, which is multiple admirals to do, the end state of all of this is something else is going to happen and we are going to go back. And, you know, the, the, the next question that I always get, and I've gotten a lot, is was it worth it so far? And... A friend of mine answered that for me when she told me that in the past 20 years, she was able to raise her children in peace because there wasn't another 9-11, that they got to see their grandfather and spend time with them. And as bad as it looks for fellow veterans as I am and as angry as I am, as frustrated as I am, and as just all the emotion you can hear, that that was given not only to the American people, but the world. And I think she's 100 percent right. And I absolutely stand by we did the right thing when we went in. We've done the right thing of trying to keep that evil at bay. Mm-hmm. But the flip side of the coin is, is if we don't find a way to fix this and fix this quick, that evil is going to unleash itself back on the world at some point. And we're going to have to do something to stop it, and that's going to lead to an even bigger loss of life. That is what my concern is, too. Yes, sir. So you and others are watching the Taliban now take over uh, the land that you took from them in trying to promote peace and trying to uh, give the Afghans, and I'm glad, by the way, that you pointed out about their fighting uh, and and all of the losses that they suffered because I thought it was just, I thought it was horrific uh, uh, for, for Joe Biden to disparage them as being unwilling to fight. But you guys have to be looking at this now, at all of the gains that were made being undone, asking yourselves... Why did my friend get blown up? Why are some of my surviving veteran colleagues home right now without legs? Uh, why mm-hmm. are they suffering the way that they are? What was it for if we just turned around Hello? 20 years yeah. later and gave power back to the very evil organization that we that we you know that we fought uh, starting in 2001? You know, here's 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 the rub to that, and that is um, soldiers don't make policy. We don't. Um, and so whatever the political apparatus and, and whatever those decisions are made, for whatever reasons, I, my friends, we are never going to have control of. The second thing is, is that I look at it, you know, really as someone who started international theory, you've got to do a lot of game theory. So you always look at a four square matrix, right? It's opportunity cost. What is the opportunity cost of us not having done what we did over the past 20 years? in order to make America and the world safer as opposed to us leaving at some point before this with a plan that's roughly as good as the one we have right now. Okay, we are seeing the worst case play out, and it is very clear to everybody in the world, except from maybe the Biden administration right now, that the worst case is unacceptable. So 
I signed up. I, I'm going to speak only for myself on this one because I don't feel like it's appropriate for me to speak to any other veteran or any other experience, but I will speak only to me. I signed up in 1999 on my 18th birthday against the wishes of my family to defend America and make it a better place and to grow up a little bit as a person. I stepped off a plane in 2002 uh, as one of the first members of the 75th Ranger Regiment to deploy to combat since Panama. And I did that because I love this country. I did that because I believe in the American way. And I did that because sometimes in order to defend things that you love, you have to fight. And to me, was it worth it? Yeah, absolutely. 100%. And I hope that all my fellow veterans that fought in Afghanistan see it that way. Because we know what goes bump in the night. We've seen it. We fought it. And we know that the chance to let that off the chain is unacceptable. Tom, I know you don't make policy, as you said. Soldiers don't make policy, but just real quick. I, I, I despise the Biden administration, the radical uh, uh, socialist and Marxist organization that it is, but this is not political for me. This is not a partisan question or statement because the Biden administration wanted out. So did President Trump. So did, he said, Barack Obama. Uh, so, so we've had Republican and Democrat presidents who have said, and Republican and Democrat uh, elected officials in the legislature right now who have said, it's time for us to get out. We need to get out. We need to get out. All of them. Right. Um, so how do, you, how do you feel about that? Again, knowing what you just said, that because we're not going to leave that force behind, that security force with air cover, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, that which we've done in other parts of the world, that we're going to have to you know, strap them back up and go back in again. It's guaranteed, in your words, at some future date. Um, when, when virtually all sides of the political spectrum say get out of Afghanistan. Man, you're you're really give, you're really you're really pushing this. No, I. When it, it's tough. I know. I, I know. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that. Hmm, I. Again, being the soldier and trying to strip the politics away, and I agree that this is, we've had two administrations that were Democrats and two administrations that were Republicans that were trying to figure this out. So if yeah. people want to keep making this a partisan issue, I think you're telling on yourself, to be completely honest, because that right there tells you the immense, uh, immense complexity of the situation mm-hmm. and of the solution. But then so this is what I default back to is how do we do it in a way or how, whatever policy we have in a way that does not make things perceivably and precipitously worse, which is what we have right now. How do we make sure that Americans will be taken out properly, which we can't, we cannot provide safety for our own people right now. Like, I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen, listening to this right now, whatever you've heard, the fact that we cannot secure lines of communication from a place like Jalalabad, which supposedly is having violence right now, or Asadabad or Herat or Kandahar, to get them to Kabul, right, is a failure of policy, is a failure of planning, okay? This is, and I'm saying this purely from a brass tacks X's and O's perspective. Understood. Understood. And and that is where I go completely off on the administration, Bob. That's where I lose it. Yeah, no, I completely agree. This fiasco is 100% on the Biden administration because of the way he is doing this and because he uh, he backed out essentially on the agreement that was made by President Trump. Yes, there is some uniformity or unanimity, if you will, mm-hmm. among uh, among uh, you know the Republicans and Democrats about getting out, but only one 
administration was responsible for how this was conducted, and that is the Biden administration, and that's why we are in this terrible, terrible situation we are right now. Um, I want to remind people on the way out here uh, to look for the 20-year war. I'm looking at it right now at Amazon.com. The 20-Year War is a hardcover photo book by Dan Blakely, Tom Amenta, and Bo Simmons. Uh, it is a tremendous, eye-opening look uh, into the lives of 71 veterans of the global war on terror and many of those who, uh, who served in Operation Enduring Freedom, as uh, Tom Amenta well, did. Bob, I'll give your, I'll give your listeners a little uh, insight. If you go to the website that we set up as the authors, 20yearwar.com, if you spell it out, if you okay. purchase it there, 20yearwar.com, it'll ship today or tomorrow. We got them early, so you don't have to get the pre-order. You can get it today. That is awesome. So good to know. And I encourage everybody to take a look at this and order this up. Tom Amenta, thank you for your service in the Rangers. Thank you for your time today. And the very best of luck to you in the future. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. Our program is coming today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership programs offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you're enjoying the podcast, please tell a friend to go to Town Hall Review and sign up as well today. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.